0: Good morning. I'll be reading um, John 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, Kirstie, for reading our uh, John 15 passage. Some of you probably are not surprised to know that we're in John 15, uh, 4 through 5, and hearing that word abide, a few times we say that word a lot. We talk about this passage a lot. We reference it in other sermons. Um, I want to just point out that this passage, uh, to abide, is meant to take some pressure off of us. There's this saying, um, this idiom, it, it goes so far back that we don't know where it came from. Um, I've heard a few different versions of it, uh, but the, the, the primary message of the saying is, as the leader goes, so go the people. As the leader goes, so goes, so go the people. As the king goes, so goes the country. As the president goes, so goes the nation. As the pastor goes, as the elders go, so goes the church. And when I first heard this, I was like, wow, that's a pretty incredible piece of wisdom right there. That's a nugget. I'm going to hold on to that. Um, and then I thought about it some more. I was like, wait a second. That's just saying how nature works. That's just like, of course, it's, it's the design of the leadership model to work. As the, the leader leads, that leader is leading the people somewhere. And that makes a lot of sense. But what it actually does, it, doesn't, it may not reveal to us any new piece of information, but what it does do is it reminds us of our responsibility, that we are leading. And so we can feel that pressure of leadership. We can feel, especially as parents, the pressure of, oh my gosh, the life of a child is now in my hands. I hope that we've all gotten to that point as parents at some point. But you also start, if you're a part of the church, if you're um, leading your family uh, through discipleship, through um, knowing and following Jesus, that's probably also another point of pressure that you felt, right? Is this, um, how my kids turn out is on me now. Does anybody else feel that pressure? I know this is a little weird service. We've still got people trickling in. The sermon usually doesn't happen within the first 20 minutes of our gathering. Um, We'll just hopefully I've tried to put some jokes in to maybe wake us up a little bit, but you missed two of them. That's probably my fault more than it is your fault. When we're thinking about leadership pressure, we're thinking about the outcome of these people's lives is in my hand. Or at least um, if, if we maybe have kids that are grown and there's, maybe they don't believe, we feel that pressure on us. We feel that guilt on us. That, what did I do wrong? Or maybe if we have kids that do believe in Jesus and believe the gospel, we feel the pride of that. Like, oh yeah, I did something right. And John 15 is here to tell us that it's not on you. Your wins and your losses aren't yours. John 15, four through five, is reminding us, Jesus gives this this instruction at a pivotal point in the story of John. It's meant to reveal to us that the pressure is not on you. The outcome is not on you, your participant. But he's in control. So if you feel that, that pressure of parenting, if you feel that pressure of leading, You can just remember what Jesus says in John 15, four through five. He says, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. The word abide, um, we can swap that out for another word, remain. The concept here, we can think of it more as surrender. Surrender to me. Just stick with me, stay intertwined with me. Just be be lockstep with me, Jesus is saying, because if you cut a branch off the tree, it's not gonna bear fruit. If you're trying to do all this on your own, under your own power, in your own strength, on your own intellect, on your own parenting abilities, memorizing all these parenting books, all these leadership books, you can't do it. You're cutting yourself off from the vine. So the pressure is off. You're called to abide. Now, practically, we're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I've heard that. I've read this part of the Bible. Now tell me what that means. Um, Jesus, what Jesus is saying in John 15 is what this idiom is saying. As the leader goes, so go the people, right? You will multiply. You will. Whatever direction you're running, you're gonna take people there. If you're a parent, whether you're active or you're passive in your parenting, you're leading. You will multiply. But what also Jesus is saying is that when when our lives are intertwined with his, when we abide in him, we remain in him and surrender to him, we remember the pressures off of me we're just following Jesus, what what Jesus is saying in John 15 is that he will bear the good fruit in the people's lives around us. So whether we have kids in the home or we don't, whether um, we're young, singles, and there are people that look to us maybe, if we're involved in the church in any way, whether we're in a small group, whether we're volunteering in kids ministry, you will multiply. If the goal... Of our kids' ministry, if the goal of our parenting, if the goal of um, our influence in the world, even if we're not necessarily talking about children, if our goal of of having any influence in people is to multiply the gospel, where do you think the gospel comes from first? It's got to come from us. Do you believe what you're saying? Do you believe the gospel that you proclaim? And so Jesus in John 15 is not giving a list of ways to abide. It's not the three best tips for abiding in Christ. It's not um, even parenting advice. It's not a list of to-dos. It's a way to live. And so I'm not, I'm not going to give you a practical list of things to do, but I have three points, three ways that we live this life of abiding So here are the three things. Believe you're forgiven, delight in Jesus, and talk to him. Believe you're forgiven, delight in Jesus, and talk to him. Now, if you have children, or you have friends that have children, or you have children that have children, or maybe if you um, are a child, Think about yourself as a kid. Think about your siblings if you have those. Maybe they believe the gospel, maybe they don't. Put yourself in a position to where this, these three things might apply to the people near you, to the people that you're in leadership over. If I'm at the end of my life laying on my deathbed, That wasn't in my sermon, and I don't know why I said it, but instantly, emotions, right? If I'm, if I'm there, and I'm thinking about, man, what did I hope for my kid's life? I want them to believe they're forgiven, right? I want them to delight in Jesus, and that nothing will take away that joy. That that no person could put fear in them enough to make them stop delighting in Jesus. That no circumstance could put fear in them enough to take their attention away from him. And I want them to have lives of prayer. Not not just cold, religious, empty prayer that we're just reciting things that were written down before we were alive. But this vibrant I'm thinking about God all day long. I'm talking to him all day long. Prayer does include reciting scripture. It does include reciting written things. But a life of prayer is so much more than that. When we believe we're forgiven, we will delight in Jesus, and then we'll talk to him. It's just a way to live. And so we'll start there um, with number one, because that's where you start things. Abiding in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus, remaining in Him means that we daily wake up and receive forgiveness. Daily. You must do it daily. You must receive forgiveness daily. It sounds too simple. I hope you're listening. It sounds too simple. You must receive daily your forgiveness because you are forgiven. What, what if you woke up every morning and you realized all, the, all the, the things, the mistakes I made don't have any permanent lasting impact on my future? What if you woke up as a parent afraid to, to make some more mistakes today, but then you realized Oh yeah, all the mistakes I've already made, all the ways I've sinned against my kids, and anything in the future, that doesn't have the power anymore to determine my future, my kids' future, the outcome of my life or their life. That's forgiveness. That's the forgiveness that Jesus offers to us. You see, our story as Christians is that um, from the very beginning of human history, We had this disposition of sin and rebellion. Not just that we did bad things, not just that Adam and Eve disobeyed, but then and now we have a disposition. That means that we just have this natural bent towards disobeying God and rebelling against Him. For many reasons, most of them are that we want to be like Him, we want His position. We want power and control over our lives, even though we're train wrecks at it. But even before that, before that moment, before Adam and Eve sinned, before we had this natural bent, this disposition, God knew. And so he already had a plan. And his plan was that he would send his son to live just like us, to live among us as one of us in weakness, yet without sin. And that he would die on a cross so that in our weakness, we would be forgiven. Right, he paid that perfect price of forgiveness for us so that the disposition towards sin and rebellion would not kill us anymore. That we would have this eternal hope to live forever with God. This is forgiveness. This is what we wake up with daily. Daily if we're not daily receiving the forgiveness of Jesus, then we cannot daily give it out. As the the leader goes, so go the people, right? And so if we want our kids to believe they're forgiven, we must believe we are forgiven daily. Now, there's this incredible story um, in Matthew 18 where Jesus describes this man who um, was forgiven of much, And then he wasn't forgiving of much. And there's a a, a pretty serious warning there. But we see throughout the life of Jesus, he's repeating this common phrase, if you forgive others, you will be forgiven. And it's not this contractual if then. It's if you're forgiving others, then you're truly believing that you are forgiven. Now imagine in your home, whether you have kids or you don't, in your home, whatever your nuclear family is, imagine this transformative power of undeserved, unearned forgiveness. We're constantly sinning against each other. And if we are not daily waking up receiving forgiveness, we will not daily be able to give it. And so if we lead our kids towards forgiveness, but we're not offering forgiveness. Will they believe that they are forgiven in Christ? When Jesus says, abide in me, he's talking to all of us. He's talking to all of us who believe. So parents, when Jesus says, abide in me, he's talking to you first. Believe you're forgiven. And then teach your kids, they're forgiven. Um, One of the fears that, that we have of, of having this transforming radical forgiveness, this way of life that's, that we just forgive without people having to earn it from us, without people having to make it up and make it right. One of our fears is that, well, we're just going to produce this generation of kids that do whatever they want. As if the grace of Jesus takes us farther from the gospel. But what if we believed that instead of, well, I'm just not going to show you your sin. You don't have anything to be forgiven of, so I'm just going to kind of ignore you. What if I lead you and I forgive you? What if I say, hey, you sinned against me, but I forgive you? What if we show that kind of mercy and grace so we're not screaming at one another? but we're forgiving one another of the wrongs that we have done. Well, then we're, we're not focused on behavior. We're leading our kids, giving our, our kids and the people around us this opportunity to see a radical forgiveness that is not focused on behavior, but on love. Now we have kids believing the authenticity of the gospel because they know they're loved. They know they're forgiven. And they don't have to earn it. When we believe we're forgiven and that Jesus purchased this forgiveness, then we, this, this leads us to delight in him. Um, so we believe we're forgiven. We delight in Jesus. Now, as the leader goes, the people go. Um, this is true, one, because leaders teach, but also because people learn. Parents teach, but kids learn. You don't have to always intentionally teach them. They are always intentionally learning, right? Um, They're watching you. This comes into play, too, where our affections are. I enjoy gardening, and any time um, when it's daylight outside, if I walk outside my backyard, I do not hear the door shut right behind me. Because there are four pairs of feet following me. They know dad likes the garden. There must be something there to enjoy. They don't think about that cognitively, right? It's just in them. Whatever dad enjoys, I'm going to see if I enjoy that too. There must be something there to enjoy. So if we delight ourselves in the Lord, if we delight ourselves in the gospel if we delight ourselves in the forgiveness that has been earned for us, our kids will delight themselves in Jesus. They will delight themselves in forgiveness. They will delight themselves in the gospel. It's not that We have to take our kids to church. We have to take them to VBS. We have to sing them the right songs and make them memorize scripture so that they'll find Jesus attractive. We don't need to make Jesus any more attractive than he already is. We just have to let our souls be attracted to him. It starts with us. And even if we're not parents, you can probably see the correlation between your life and the outcome of your life right now. I heard this incredible story. We were talking about, um, it was a conversation about sin and how to, uh, it's, it's actually from a Puritan's work called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. The expulsive, like getting rid of something, expelling affections out to fill with new affection. And John Piper told this story about, okay, or asked this question really, a parable. How do you empty a cup of air? What's the most efficient way to empty a cup of air? You fill it with water. And I was like, I never would have thought of that. But again, it's just one of those simple things that you're like, oh yeah, I should have thought of that. So how do we empty our lives and our kids' lives of an affection for the world because the world tries hard. The world is coming after our affections and their affections. How do we? empty our hearts and our souls of that affection. We fill it with Jesus. When we delight ourselves in the Lord because we're forgiven, because we're loved, because he's been good to us, that's what we will multiply. Now, moving into this third point, um, when we believe we're forgiven, we will delight ourselves in Jesus and we're just gonna talk to him. Like, if I just made this third point pray, I would be giving you something to do. But when that third point is an outcome of the first two, it points us back to those first two. So if we're having a hard time praying, which happens, and that's okay, it's normal. Go back to those first two. Believe you're forgiven. Delight yourself in the Lord. You will pray. And as parents, if we want to teach our kids to pray, we need to pray. Think of someone that you most admire. Who do you most admire in your life? Do you want to spend more or less time with that person? When you are with that person, do you find yourself anxious to speak? Maybe they're gonna hurt me if I say the wrong thing. Maybe, actually, you find yourself just content with not speaking. Just being with them is enough. This is prayer. At Redeemer, we define prayer as being with God, sometimes talking. Because when we believe that we're forgiven and we delight ourselves in Jesus, we will talk to him, we will meet with him. And sometimes words don't have to come. Prayer is also the space where we're both reminded of our story of forgiveness where we grow in delighting in Jesus. So I've got, I'm going I'm to speak to both parents and pa- parents of young children who live in the home and people who are not parents of young children who live in the home. All right, so this abiding, this, um, when we believe our story, or sorry, when we believe we're forgiven, when we delight ourselves in Jesus and we talk to him, how do I? make this a part of my life of influencing the next generation. Parents, what we're commissioning you to do is live out your relationship with Jesus in front of your kids. Now that means intentionally answering their questions. If they haven't started talking, that means they haven't started asking questions. The minute they start talking, they start asking questions. This is a good thing. I have to remind myself of that. (laughs) I have four of my own. But also, you need to know kids make assumptions. So you have to ask questions. Ask them what they think, ask them how they feel. And that might terrify you. It's terrifying. But remember just abide, be your Jesus following self and it'll come. He'll give you the words. Um, Showing your kids what it looks like to trust and follow Jesus, you also need to know, is slow and patient work. You're working at God's pace, not yours. So be kind to yourself. Be kind to your kids. It's slow and it's patient work. He will bear fruit. He won't always show it to you, but he will. Um, the, other, the other thing is, we want you guys to, to lead your kids and your family in your homes. Yes, we're also parents. If you have kids in kids ministry today or every other Sunday, then we want to ask you to be a part of their discipleship in that space too. We don't offer childcare on Sunday mornings. We offer children's ministry This is discipling of children, okay? The bottom line, parents, abide, remain, surrender. Know you're forgiven, delight yourself in Jesus, and talk to him. Now, if you're not a parent, if you don't have young kids in the home, then what you are being commissioned to do, what you're being invited to participate in, is finding ways to live your life of abiding Jesus in front of kids and their families. There's two ways to do that at Redeemer. One, the kids ministry that we already talked about, right? But also small groups. We launched small groups back in January. They're pretty new. We're still working through that awkward getting to know you phase. So it's not too late. If you're not in a group here at Redeemer, we want to invite you into one. We are open to them being intergenerational, multi-life stage groups. We're just going to trust that whatever happens, happens. But we are asking, if you are not a parent or have young kids in the home, please do come to these groups with families in them. Okay? We want you to live your life in front of these kids. And it's not that you have to actively, intentionally always teach them. There are times for that. But they are actively, intentionally always looking and learning. Just be around them. They'll find your way to you. And if you're a parent, you know that that's true. If someone who doesn't have kids comes into my house, for some reason, and I'm looking at multiple faces in this room, that my kids just, they'll shoot to you. They know that you're going to point them in the right direction. As the leader goes, so go the people. As the parents go, so go the children. Believe you're forgiven, delight in Jesus, and talk to him. Now, abide in Jesus, you will bear fruit. Now, I'm gonna pray, we're gonna transition into um, the commissioning service, and then after the commissioning service, we're gonna share communion together, and then we're gonna sing one more song. So, um, Cassie, you can go ahead and come up. Um, if, if that's what you're doing next. <laughs> All right. Worship. That's right. We're singing songs. Thank you. <laughs> Cassie did not come up. Band, you can come up. I'm going to pray. I'm so used to doing things right after I preach. Please pray with me. Holy Father, we trust you to be enough to lead our discipleship. We trust you by your Holy Spirit to be powerful enough, to be smart enough, to be um, well enough behaved for us, to be um, in the hearts and the souls of our kids and the people around us enough to bear fruit in their lives. And so God, we surrender to you in this process of abiding. Would you remind us of the forgiveness that you've won for us? Would you make this a daily work? Would you fill our souls and our hearts and our minds with new affections of you as we think on this forgiveness that you've won for us? And God, would you teach us to pray, not just to recite prayers, but that we would live lives of prayer, that prayer would be breathing to us, Meeting with you is just a constant reminder of our forgiveness and that we delight in you. And God, we just ultimately surrender to you to bear fruit in our lives. Would you help us to not be afraid? Would you help us to give up the power and the control of doing this on our own? So we trust you, Jesus. We proclaim your goodness and your gospel. And we ask that you would lead us to surrender. We say these things in your name. Amen. <laughs>